I am an American. I was born and reared in Hartford, in the state of Connecticut, anyway, just over the river in the country. So I am a Yankee of the Yankees, and practical, yes, and nearly barren of sentiment, I suppose, or poetry, in other words. My father was a blacksmith, my uncle was a horse doctor, and I was both, along at first. Then I went over to the great arms factory and learned my real trade, learned all there was to it, learned to make everything, guns, revolvers, cannon, boilers, engines, all sorts of labor-saving machinery. Why, I could make anything a body wanted, anything in the world, it didn't make any difference what. And if there wasn't any quick, newfangled way to make a thing, I could invent one, and do it as easy as rolling off a log. I became head superintendent, had a couple of thousand men under me. Well, a man like that is a man that is full of fight. That goes without saying. With a couple of thousand rough men under one, one has plenty of that sort of amusement. I had, anyway. At last I met my match, and I got my dose. It was during a misunderstanding conducted with crowbars with a fellow we used to call Hercules. He laid me out with a crusher alongside the head that made everything crack and seemed to spring every joint in my skull and made it overlap its neighbor. Then the world went out in darkness, and I didn't feel anything more, and didn't know anything at all, at least for a while. When I came to again, I was sitting under an oak tree, on the grass, with a whole beautiful and broad country landscape all to myself, nearly. Not entirely, for there was a fellow on a horse, looking down at me. A fellow fresh out of a picture book. He was in old-time iron armor, from head to heel, with a helmet on his head the shape of a nail keg with slits in it. And he had a shield and a sword and a prodigious spear, and his horse had armor on too, and a steel horn projecting from his forehead, and gorgeous red and green silk trappings that hung down all around him like a bed quilt, nearly to the ground. "'Fair sir, will ye just?' said this fellow. "'Will I which? Will ye try a passage of arms for land or lady, or for—' "'What are you giving me?' I said. "'Get along back to your circus, or I'll report you.' Now what does this man do but fall back a couple of hundred yards— and then come rushing at me as hard as he could tear, with his nail keg bent down nearly to his horse's neck, and his long spear pointed straight ahead. I saw he meant business, so I was up the tree when he arrived. He allowed that I was his property, the captive of his spear. There was argument on his side, and the bulk of the advantage, so I judged it best to humor him. We fixed up an agreement whereby I was to go with him, and he was not to hurt me. I came down, and we started away, I walking by the side of his horse. We marched comfortably along through glades and over brooks, which I could not remember to have seen before, which puzzled me and made me wonder. And yet we did not come to any circus or sign of a circus." So I gave up the idea of a circus and concluded he was from an asylum. But we never came to an asylum. 
so I was up a stump, as you may say. I asked him how far we were from Hartford. He said he had never heard of the place, which I took to be a lie, but allowed it to go at that. At the end of an hour, we saw a faraway town sleeping in a valley by a winding river, and beyond it, on a hill, a vast gray fortress with towers and turrets, the first I had ever seen out of a picture. Bridgeport, said I, pointing. Camelot, said he. My stranger had been showing signs of sleepiness. He caught himself nodding now and smiled one of those pathetic, obsolete smiles of his and said, I find I can't go on, but come with me. I've got it all written out, and you can read it if you like.'